Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. How are you? You guys doing well? The building's coming along, isn't it? My name is Colton. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to be preaching this morning. We're uh, praying for Pastor Dave. He's enjoying a day of rest. And your lead pastor needs some of those. You know, he does. Come on. So, um, so praying for him. We're starting a new series. I- I'm excited because I, de- I get to kick off a new series. And this is a-, a series for November, and it's called A Greater Gratitude. And it's going to take us to Advent, which is crazy. Advent's almost already here, church. It's like, where has the year gone? Do you feel like that? My goodness. So each week of this Greater Gratitude series, we're going to go through a different psalm. And the book of Psalms is an absolute goldmine, just about the human experience. And, and, and David and the other psalmists wrestle with pursuing God and the adoration and, and thanksgiving, all these different kinds of things. Also brokenness. There's all kinds of laments in the Psalms. And so, so much good in the Psalms for us as we're trying to follow Jesus. And we're going to take a different Psalm of Gratitude every week this series. A different one every week. And this morning it's Psalm 100 if you want to kind of get ready for that. I'm not going to read it here for a moment, but Psalm 100. I want to begin, church, with a... Uh, a question that the Apostle Paul asked to the church at Corinth 2,000 years ago. And Corinth was a place of conflict and struggle and ideas and egos hitting up against each other. And, and the Apostle Paul has this haunting question for the church in 1 Corinthians 4-7. Amidst the strife, this is what he asked them. What do you have that you did not receive? Or another version, what do you have that has not been given to you? And the question carries weight for Paul as he's attempting to help them see God and see all that God has done for them. He's trying to help them see that. And when we hear that question in in our day and age, it's kind of like some of us maybe are like, well, I've I've worked for this. And I've been grinding day in and day out, right? Some of us have that mentality. And that's true. We've had a role to play. You've, You've worked hard. But if we boil things down... Really, if we boil it down, everything has been given to us by our loving creator. Everything. The fact that we have breath in our lungs, blood in our veins, bodies that are, give us the ability to work and minds to be creative and imaginative and think of things for our life and then go chase those things. That's all from the good hand of God. So Paul can ask them, what what do you have? What do you really have that that hasn't been given to you from God? He's a gracious God. And that's our title for this morning's message, A Gracious God. Here's the definition of gratitude from the Cambridge Dictionary. A strong feeling of appreciation to someone or something for what the person has done to help you. Uh, Another helpful definition from Neil Prishka, he says, gratitude is the glad sense the glad perception that you have been gifted something from someone in a way that you are placed in their debt, but you're happy about it because it was a good gift. It's a glad sense, a glad perception. So as we continue, I want to ask this question to all of us. What keeps us from gratitude? 
what keeps us from being a thankful people. And for that, I want to turn to Genesis 3, the beginning of your Bibles, real quick here. Genesis 3, it's not the very beginning of your Bible, uh, but it is right off the bat there. And it is the story of the fall, and it's going to be on the screen here for all of us. Genesis 3, 1 through 6, here we go. Now the snake was more able to fool others than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did, did God say, did he really say that you should not eat from any tree in the garden? Then the woman said to the snake, we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but from the tree which is in the center of the garden, God has said, do not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The snake said to the woman, no, you for sure will not die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and bad. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and could fill the desire of making one wise. So she took of its fruit and ate and also gave some to her husband and he ate. Y'all know this story? Pretty common story. Um, the Satan, this snake character, uh, deceives Eve and Adam. And Satan in the New Testament is referred to as the father of lies from Paul, and that's exactly what we see him doing here in this garden narrative, whispering lies to Eve. Man, God, God, does, God doesn't really want what's best for you. I think he's holding some things back from you, Eve. I don't think he wants what's best for you. Can, you. can we just imagine for a moment? Can we just imagine we're all in the garden, Montrose Church in the garden. It's beautiful, right? And the scripture tells us walking in the cool of the garden with God. And we are co-creators and rulers with God. It's amazing. And all we've ever known from this God is his amazing love. That's all we've ever experienced. And then based off of a little powerful lie, things begin to change. Maybe the lie sets in, the fear for Eve sets in, and she grasps for the fruit. She reaches and, and grasps for the fruit. Grasps for something that she thinks will fulfill her and bring her peace, but God has already given them everything they need. Now, church, I think we do this. I think we grasp and reach for things to fulfill us. We believe the, the fears, we have some fears, excuse me, and then we believe some lies internally, and then externally it manifests itself in grasping, reaching for things to fulfill us, to bring us peace. We try to take from God what we think he owes us, and this is really, it's entitlement, right, entitlement, and, and, and we see it in the garden narrative, and entitlement at its core is not a bad thing. It's a good thing at its core because we're desiring peace. But what we see in this narrative is it's an attempt to grasp peace when really it's only a gift we can receive from God. That's what peace is. Grasping is a problem. It's a problem. Tyler Staten, a pastor I love, he says, So many times we turn God's gifts into our rights. So why do we struggle with gratitude? Fear, lies, grasping, reaching, trying to attain peace by something else from God. And it's a problem. And it goes well with this concept called the myth of scarcity. Write that one down for the three of you that are taking notes. Okay. Um, 
the myth of scarcity. It's a concept from the Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann, who's just a fantastic Old Testament scholar. And he has this idea, the myth of scarcity, and it just basically means that there will not be enough. There will not be enough to go around, and so we live into this. When I'm at parties or some kind of gathering with family or something, and somebody puts pizza on the table, I have a myth of scarcity mindset. I do. I do. I don't know if there's going to be enough. So what do I do? I reach and grasp, right? Two, three pieces, maybe more. Depends how I'm feeling, right? Reaching, grasping, the myth of scarcity. And Brueggemann talks about how, how this was Israel's battle in the Old Testament with this mindset. And you can't blame them completely because they're coming out of slavery in Egypt. And, but God is trying to break them of this idea of there won't be enough. Let's hoard, let's collect, let's, develop, let's, let's keep getting armies and, and, and resources and all these kinds of things. God says, I'm trying to break that within you. I'm trying to help you rely on me day in and day out. And you see this very, very clearly in Exodus 16. The children of Israel are in the wilderness, and God supplies every single morning manna for them. Right? Manna, the Hebrew word for manna literally means what? Like, what is it? It's like, huh? Like, what is this? Because they had no idea what it was, but it nourished their body day in and day out while they were in the wilderness. God provided this manna for them. But you know the one thing they couldn't do with the manna? They couldn't store it up. Why? Because God was trying to help them rely on him day in and day out. My mercies are new every single morning. It's really difficult in our culture, in this Los Angeles area, Montrose, all these kind of different areas, to not live into the myth of scarcity. It's hard not to, church. Why? Because things are so expensive. They are. They are. And so we wonder, will there ever be enough work? Will there ever be enough resources? Will there ever be enough money? And so it's hard to not fall into this myth of scarcity mindset. And so we worry, we grasp, we feel the fear, so we reach for things. But I think, I, I believe this with all my heart, God has something different for us. Because he wants us to be a people of gratitude. And, and Brueggemann talks about the antidote for the myth of scarcity is, is what he calls living in, in the liturgy of abundance. And it's the simple belief that God has us. God's got us. He has us in his hands and he is an abundant God. He is the good shepherd, and we are his sheep, and we must trust, trust the shepherd. When we fight against grasping and reaching and living into the myth of scarcity, we begin to see God as a good and gracious God who has given us so much. It doesn't mean things are perfect, but he's given us so much to be grateful for. And gratitude helps us fight against those things. All right, let's jump to our main text, Psalm 100. It'll be on the screens here for you. And it should connect well with, with what we're going here through. Okay, here we go. Uh, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his Name For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. 
beautiful psalm. And the psalmist starts with shout, sing, praise, be thankful, be grateful. Why? Why? Number one, it's all God. Verse three, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. As we discussed, God is the creator. He is the immovable mover. He is the intelligent designer. It's God. He is the reason for all of this. Again, the reason we woke up this morning, the reason we have breath in our lungs and and blood in our veins, church. When was the last time we slowed down and just said, God, thank you for life. Thank you for this thing called life. Thank you. Things aren't perfect, but I see your goodness and love. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. And some of y'all can testify to that because you've been through some things and you probably shouldn't be here and you are. God is a gracious God. And the psalm continues. I love it because not only is he our creator, but we are his people. You and I are called sons and daughters of the high king of the universe. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Isaiah 43.1, but now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. One more time for the people in the back. Do not fear. I have redeemed you, and I have called you by name. You are mine. You're mine. I formed you. Stop reaching, stop grasping, stop living into the myth of scarcity. I've redeemed you, you're mine. I'm here, and church, maybe somebody in here needs to hear that this morning, maybe somebody online. You are God's, you are beloved by God. You're his, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows your name, and he loves you. He loves you, it's all God. He is the reason for all of this. And we are his sheep. John 10, 27 through 28. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Church, do you know the voice of the good shepherd? Do you know his voice? Or are our lives too busy, too fast, too much grasping and reaching and living into the myth of scarcity? Do we miss the voice of God? Can we focus on the the loving voice of our good father this morning? Because it's all him, all this, and he is a gracious God. Number two, the eyes of gratitude. Verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Gratitude is a way in which we see the world. It's a lens And hear me, church, it doesn't come naturally. Gratitude does not come naturally to us. I wish it did, right? Imagine all of us as a little kid, right? We were all there at one point. 
Okay, that was a joke. Come on, y'all. We were all there at one point. Okay. As a little kid, um, you don't start saying thank you when you are born. You don't get something from your mom and say, thank you, mom. That would be incredible. But it's, Shaylee's about to have, uh, we're about to have a baby anytime here. Hopefully not now. Hopefully not right now. Give us like another like 15, 20, you know. Um, but that little girl, even though she will be divine, she will not come out of the womb saying thank you, right? Maybe, but <laughs> she does, I'll report back to you all. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, though. It's something we have to learn. Say thank you. Be grateful. Clear your lens. Clean your glasses of life. Clean them. And our culture does not make it any easier. Every single day, marketing, consumerism, materialism, social media, all reminding us on a daily basis to focus on ourselves. Look out for number one. It's all about you. You need more things to be thankful, to find peace. So reach and grasp for those things. It sounds a lot like the garden. My prayer for all of us is, God, clear our lens. Help us see the world with your eyes. Can we see everything you've given us? Because you are a gracious God and you deserve our praise. The psalm says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Can we do that? Uh, the language here that the psalmist uses is temporal, tabernacle type of language. And with the tabernacle, all of the, the people of Israel could only go to the outer courts of the tabernacle, and they had to bring their offering of the lamb, of course, and they would enter with thanksgiving. But now we know it's different for us because of Jesus, because of the cross and the resurrection, because of the new covenant in Christ, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, we can boldly approach his throne and obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. And that's beautiful, and so we can give thanks because we can go to God anytime, anytime. He deserves our praise. He deserves our thanks. When we see God clearly, we begin to see ourselves more clearly, and then we can't help but get to a point of gratitude for all he's given us. And our only response is praise and worship. It's similar to Isaiah's vision in Isaiah 6. Isaiah has this vision of, of him in the throne room of God, and it's just this wild scene of angels shouting, holy, holy is God, and, and, and God fills up the whole space, and Isaiah is just blown away, and he falls to his face, and he praises and worships God and declares, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy of you, God. And what does God do? God touches his lips, says, you are worthy, now go, and sends him on mission. How's your vision, friends? How's your vision? Not literally. Some of you are like, I see 2020. <laughs> Not literally. How do you see the world? Do you see it with gratitude? How's your perception of the world? Because it's, it's easy to live in resentment and bitterness and entitlement. It's easy. But that's not what God has for us. And it doesn't mean bad things don't happen and we, we, you know, right? Bad things do happen and brokenness is a part of life. And we don't ignore or gloss over that, right? We pray prayers of lament. And we lament those things and grieve. But also we remember God is in our midst working. And he has given us so many good things. 
God, can you touch our vision this morning? That's my prayer for us. So we can see our families different, so we can see our workplace different, so we can see this church differently with the eyes of gratitude. That's what I long for us. Help us slow down and see with your eyes, King Jesus. Number three, great is thy faithfulness. Verse five, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I love the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I had Eric and the crew sing it this morning. It's just a beautiful and powerful hymn. I know some of us aren't hymn people. That's okay. Right? That's okay. There is some, I mean, there's some incredible hymns, though, you know, that we cannot miss as followers of Jesus. That's my argument, but really good hymns. And there's something about when a hymn goes on in a church and the kind of the generational thing kicks in. People start singing the hymn. You know, it's like, oh, oh, this is my time. Let me turn up the volume a little bit. I know this one. And it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And this hymn is a great one. And it, and it, and it comes from Psalm 100 and Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Those are the inspirations for Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I want to just go through the lyrics um, because they're so incredible. And I think they're just something we need to hear again. And I'm not going to break out in song, don't worry, okay? I know, I know. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, the sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. It's a powerful hymn. The writer of this hymn was a guy named Thomas Chisholm, and he was born in 1866, and he was a Methodist minister, actually, and, and, and was following God, but he had all kinds of hard things hit him. Went through all kinds of different health struggles and, and ended up having to leave the ministry because of it. But he kept writing about God's faithfulness through it all, not based on, him, not based on his circumstances, but based on him knowing King Jesus. And so he wrote this beautiful psalm, and it works so well with verse 5 of, of Psalm 100. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Through all generations. The word love in, in this verse 5 of Psalm 100 is the Hebrew word hesed. And you're actually supposed to say it like with a <laughs> that type of H. Hesed. You want to try that? Go ahead. Hesed. Yeah. And then, now apologize for spitting on your neighbor, okay? <laughs> hesed. It's a really awesome word, and it's hard for us to translate it in our English language because it's this word that combines three different ideas. Love, generosity, and enduring commitment. All into this one word, chesed. And it's not conditional in the Bible. It's something you either have or you don't have. And God has it. God has chesed for his 
people. He has this enduring, committed type of love, even though we don't deserve it. But he has it for his peopleness. He's faithful, and he will be throughout all generations. God is a gracious God. He is. All right, I'm going to put my youth pastor hat on. Just kidding, I'm always wearing my youth pastor hat. Um, I want to talk to grandparents and parents just for a moment here. Grandparents, parents, people who deal with young people, you have an amazing opportunity to set an example of gratitude for young people. You do. And it's hard. Because of social media, because of our culture, it is hard to exemplify gratitude. But if you can do that and train your kids up in that way, it will be better for them. That's what Jesus wants for us, to see with eyes of gratitude. And Christians should be the, the most thankful people on earth. Like, we should be the most grateful people on earth, right? I don't know if we are, though. I don't know if we are. And we should be because we know God. We know all his blessings. We, we understand the beauty of the cross and the resurrection and that you and I were bought with the price. I hope we understand that. We should be grateful because of that. Are we? I don't know. But can we exemplify gratitude to our kids, to young people? It will trickle down into them if you practice gratitude in your home. Young people, where are you? I see you. You can define young people however you want, church. Young people, be thankful. Be thankful. When I was young, I was in junior high and high school, and I, um, I was not thankful. I was not a kid of gratitude, which I think is kind of normal. I was so consumed with myself and what I was doing with my sports and all these different things. I was not grateful. And now when I go back and I'm with my parents, I tell them thank you over and over and over because now I have the eyes to see all they did for me. They did so much. Thanks for driving me around to all the practices, games, school, all this stuff. Thanks for investing in me, food on the table. Thanks for paying for me. In the first century, kids actually made you money, and nowadays they do the opposite, <laughs> right? So it's like, thank you, mom and dad, thank you. And all our stories are different, right? All of our stories are different with our parents and guardians and all that kind of stuff. We have pain, but truly, young people, I think you have so much to be thankful for, so much. So be grateful. Maybe go tell someone, a parent, a coach, a teacher, thank you for investing in me. Thank you for encouraging me. We've been given so much. God is a gracious, gracious God. All right, I want to give us a practice as we're kind of getting close here. I want to give us a, a practice to go from this space because my fear about these type of messages is we hear a, a good sermon on gratitude or a, a mediocre sermon on gratitude. Um, <laughs> And then we go from this place, we're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, I should be grateful. And then we just leave and nothing changes. And it's just sad. And like, we'll celebrate it in like a couple weeks for this, this holiday, and then that's about it. That's not what I long for us, church. That's not what I hope for us. So I want to give us a helpful practice to go from this space that we can do, that will help us be a people of gratitude, all right? Can we do that? Okay, here it is. During the Jewish Passover, Israel traditionally would sing this song at night, uh, and the song was titled Dainu, Dainu, D-A-Y-E-N-U, Dainu. And Dainu is a Hebrew phase that, that means it would have been enough. 
it would have been enough. One pastor translates it and he says, thank you, God, for overdoing it. And so a Dainu type of prayer sounds like this. God, thank you for dinner last night. But, and thank you for nourishing my body. But not only was the food nourishing to my body, you gave me choice in selecting what the food was. God, thank you for overdoing it. And God, choice and the food nourishment, like that, that was enough, but, but thank you for, for, for making culture and spices and seasoning and food that's delicious and us taste buds so that we can enjoy food. God, thank you for overdoing it. And God, you didn't even stop there with choice and the food being good. You even provided some people to share the meal with, someone to talk to, someone to enjoy the meal with. God, thank you for overdoing it. Thank you for overdoing it. That is Dayinu. It's a way of reminding ourselves, man, we have been given so much by this gracious God. Can we slow down, reflect on the day, and see the ways in which God has really overdone it? So I want to encourage you, uh, this week, these coming weeks, this month, Pray prayers of Dayinu at night in the evening times. Maybe a family around the table, go through your day. Maybe before, by yourself, before you fall asleep on your pillow, whatever that may be, find a time to pray prayers of Dayinu. Because I think it will help us shape our hearts into a people of gratitude, and that's what Jesus longs for us. Can we see with his eyes? I want to invite the band back up. Thank you, church, for being here. Respect. <laughs> I love you guys so much. I, I, I'm so thankful to be able to, and grateful to be able to preach to you all. And if you've listened well, you've heard that gratitude is hard. Why? Because of grasping, reaching, the myth of scarcity. Gratitude is hard. But when we look at Psalm 100, we get a little insight on what to do. Focus on God and who he is as creator, one who's given us so much. And not only is he creator, but he knows you. He knows me. He knows us. And we are loved by him. And then can we pray for eyes of gratitude these coming weeks as we go from this place? Can people meet Montrose Church people outside of here and be blown away by their thankfulness? Right? Chick-fil-A type thankfulness. Right? Can we edit that out? No? Okay, all right. My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. Seriously, though, my prayer is that we leave this place and we are a thankful people, a grateful people, because we know God, not because of our, our circumstances. Those may change, but we know Christ and his goodness. So can we be a people of gratitude, church? Would you stand and pray with me? We'll respond in worship. Gracious God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, God, for overdoing it. Thank you for giving us so much. And it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean, God, that we don't have some things to lament and grieve. We do. But, God, thank you still for overdoing it. May we see you these coming weeks as a gracious God, as a God who loves us and is with us and goes before us, God. Can we be a people of gratitude on mission for your kingdom as we leave this place? 
God, thank you for overdoing it. God, that we could have worshiped in a field today, but you provided a, a church. God, thank you for over, you provided this, this building project, and it's going to look so beautiful And in a couple weeks. God, thank you for overdoing it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May we be a people of gratitude. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for these moments. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.